Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you, Almighty God, for bringing us onto a new month. Thank you that this is the month that you have declared for us to arise and shine for your glory has risen upon us. You said, our light has come and your glory has risen upon us. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of light the gift of life the gift of the glory of god upon our lives lord as we step into this service father i thank you in advance for what you are going to do thank you for illumination thank you for understanding thank you for your wisdom will guide us your wisdom you will lead us thank you all my god this month lord we will rise up and act in the name of jesus christ thank you heavenly father let your name be glorified and your people be edified in the name of Jesus Christ, may these words come out powerfully, succinctly, and clearly that will enable someone, oh God, to take action towards the things that you have designed for them. Lord, we thank you, Almighty God, because you are the fulfiller of destiny. You are the fulfiller of dreams. I decree over everyone, oh Lord, under the sound of my voice, that every dream in their heart, every vision you've placed in their heart shall come to fruition in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, last week, we delved into empathy. 
empathy, which essentially is to step beyond the way you feel to understand what somebody else is feeling. And we looked at the life of Jesus as how Christ is our empathetic high priest. In book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, the Bible says that Christ is our great high priest who has ascended into heaven. And because we know that he has ascended unto heaven, we should hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Now, remember, faith is that overcoming power that we have that overcomes the world. So the Bible essentially says, hold firmly to the faith that you profess. The, the, the conversation you have in your heart about God, what you have said about God, what you are believed God to be for you. The Bible says to hold firm to that. Why? Because you have a high priest, a great high priest who is in heaven for you. Now, who is this high priest? His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. But the Bible says this high priest is able to is able to empathize with our weakness, able to step into our situation and understand what we feel when we feel what we felt, what we feel rather. He's able to understand that. Why? Because he has been tempted like we have been tempted in all ways, yet without falling, without missing the mark. Right, and because we now know that we have Jesus Christ who understands what we don't understand, who understands the way we feel, who understands the fear in the middle of the night, who understands the conversations in our heart, who understands the, the, the worry that we have at times, who understands some of the concerns that you have that you may not be able to tell anyone. Because we now know that we have Jesus who understands what our friends may not understand, who understands what our parents may not understand, who understands what our colleagues may not understand, because we have this Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says, therefore, we can come boldly to the throne room of God and receive the help that we need. You know what I mean? It means that because we know that Christ understands and is not standing in our place, in the place of judgment, he's not looking of us over for fault and say, you did this and you did that, you did that, you did that. He's not counting our mistakes because we know that he understands our weaknesses, some of the challenges that we face, because we know that he understands, we can then come boldly to the throne room of grace. So, and that's where we ended last week about empathy. How empathy helps us to come to the throne room of God's grace to receive the help that we need. So, when we look at empathy, I want you to look at empathy in two dimensions. Number one dimension is the empathy that God has for us. And the empathy that God expects us to have for other people. So, when one of the rulers of the, of the, of the Pharisees came to Jesus... And ask Jesus Christ about what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? What must I do to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ says to him that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your with all your heart. And he says to him that you should also love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus Christ is essentially saying, in order for you to experience the God kind of life. Right. Remember when this was said, this was when Christ was on the earth. He hasn't, he hadn't died. He hadn't, redemption had not been secured for the world. All right. So this statement that Christ made about, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your spirit, with all your mind, your, your strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself was said on the basis of the fact that Christ had not died. Now in the fact that Christ had died, we are not loving God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength, but he is the one who is loving us. And because we know that he loved us, then we can love him back. I hope you understand that. So, loving God with all your, all your heart and your mind and your strength 
it's not possible for you if you don't know how much God loves you. So the Bible tells us that hearing is love, that God loved us first. Love, from God's point of view, is described as God loving us first. Because God loved us first, then we can love him back. He supplies the love in our heart so that we can then love him back. The human person has no capacity. I mean, I'm talking about the fallen human race. Has no capacity to love God the way we ought to love God. So it is by understanding how much God loves you that you can then love him back. So when we talk about the loving, the empathy that God has for us is about God understands our weaknesses. And he, because he understands our weaknesses, we can come boldly to him and receive the help. The help that we need when we need the help. Okay. And because of that, God also expects us to show empathy to other people. And empathy really is a builder of relationships. Empathy is the builder of relationships. Unless you can put yourself or project to put yourself in what somebody else is going through, you cannot really be a good help to them. At times, you know, we try to help other people, but we haven't really felt their emotions. We haven't felt what they're going through. We haven't felt their fears. The way to be able to really help someone is if you can understand what they have been through. If you can be in their position, if you can project yourself to stay in their in the in the realm where they are, understand the feelings that they 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 were, they're going through, and then you're able to offer the right kind of help to that person. So when we look at the life of Joseph, I want to show you something that we see how empathetic Joseph was in the book of Genesis chapter forty verses one to seven. The Bible says, "Now some time later, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, Egypt's king." And Pharaoh was angry with his officers, the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. He put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. Verse 4. And the captain of the guard put them, put who? The baker and the butler in Joseph's charge. And he, that's Joseph now, served them. And they continued in custody for some time. So these people were put in, in prison and they were there for a bit of time. And they both dreamed a dream in the same night, each man according to the personal significance of the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison. Verse 6, the Bible says, when Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them, he saw that they were sad and depressed. Joseph came to them in the morning, looked at them and saw that they were sad and depressed. So he did what? He asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody with him in his master's house. Why do you look so dejected and sad today? Why do you look so dejected and sad today? Now, this statement, why do you look so dejected and sad today, is profound. Because it's coming from a leader that cares. It comes from a leader who pays attention. It comes from a leader who took the responsibilities that come with being a leader very seriously how could joseph say these words this statement how could he pronounce this statement why do you look so dejected and sad today how could he do that the preceding verse tells us says when joseph came in the morning and he looked at them and then he saw that they were sad and depressed he looked he saw that they were sad and depressed 
he perceived their situation and then what did he do he made a judgment call based on what he saw and then what did he do he did something about it i want you to look at the, the flow let's look at this text again when joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them i have some words on the line or it might be in different texts just to bring things in, to, in context for you when joseph came in the morning and looked at them he saw that they were sad and depressed and then he asked pharaoh's officers who are in custody with him in his master's house why do you look so dejected on saturday so joseph was a leader who can read people's faces he had he had strong emotional intelligence he could read their faces he could see that they were going through challenges he could see that their demeanor in the morning was not the kind of demeanor that they had before so perhaps maybe when they came to prison uh, even though obviously nobody would be happy to go to prison but maybe when these guys came they used to hang out together maybe they used to play scrabble or play chess together in prison because these guys were high-ranking officers they're not they're not kind of people that you put in um uh the quarters where they're going to be getting getting molested they were actually staying in the prison in the house of the captain of the of of, of the guard so it's, it's most likely they are under house arrest but it's still part of prison because they are no they don't longer had the um the authority that they had before and so perhaps you know when they go on a walk uh while in prison joseph was there to serve them listen to what they have to say you know fetching for them whatever it is that they need serving them as it were all right but on this day when he came into their into their space they were looking fallen they were looking dejected they were looking sad and depressed but how did he know that because he because he perceived he saw he looked he made an assessment of the demeanor that they had compared to what they used to have before i said something is wrong here something something's wrong here. let me ask question and that is empathy empathy essentially means the first the fundamental level of empathy is to first of all put yourself in the position of somebody else be be aware of what they're going through and not just be aware project yourself into their space so that you can ask the right kind of questions to be able to help them so let's look at the text again i want to call 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 out for you a framework that i noticed here that i call naja n-a-j-a naja and Naja means notice, assess, judge, and act. Notice, assess, judge, and act. So let's go into the text and see how you, how the framework, the Naja framework of empathy. By the way, I came up with that. I don't think it's anywhere. I, can, I didn't find it anywhere. I just came up with that based on what I read here. Naja framework of empathy is this. Notice, assess, judge, and act. So let's go back to the text. Genesis chapter 40 verse 6 to 7. When Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them, when he looked at them, what does that, what does that mean? It means he noticed. Joseph looked at them. That means he noticed them. Then he saw. He saw. He saw them. He, he saw that. He saw what did he see? He saw something, which we're going to come to in a moment. But he saw. When he saw, that means he's doing an assessment of what he saw. And then he saw that they were sad and depressed. It means he then judged. This is what happened here. This is what is happening to these people. They are sad and they're depressed. And then what did they do? He asked them, why do you look so dejected and sad today? That means he acted. And this is the foundation of empathy. If you don't act out empathy, I want to say something. You notice, you assess, you judge and act. If you don't act out empathy, you are not being your brother's keeper. In a busy world, being able to act and put yourself in another person's shoes is how we demonstrate empathy. Empathy is not just about, oh, I'm just speaking words alone. 
but um, I'm not acting it out. The Bible says in the book of James that if any one of you say, oh, you are religious, you say, I have faith, I have faith, and your faith is not accompanied by works. The Bible said faith without works is dead, right? The book of James says that faith without works is dead. And he didn't give an example. He said, suppose somebody comes to you and say they're hungry. Oh, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Oh, I don't have food to eat today. You say to the person, hey, brother, it is well with you in Jesus' name. Then you have not acted empathetically because you have used religion to cover the needs of that person. Is everything, how much do you need? Oh, I don't have 50 pounds to give you, but I have five pounds. Take it. Being able to reach out to help somebody else when they are in, in time of need is a sign of empathy. So people you will help in this life, they might not be able to repay you back. But that's empathy. Empathy is being able to go into another person's realm and say, what must they be feeling right now? And how can, they, how can I help them? What if this happens to me? How am I going to cope? So when we act out empathy, the actions we take will be different from what somebody else will take in the same situation. So, but the key thing is this. When you act out empathetically, you are demonstrating the human side of all of us. We are, you are putting yourself in other people's shoes so that you can provide the necessary support that they need. Even those who, don't, who are not believers, they understand the need for empathy. You know, the reason you see people clamor for, uh, for people, people would go and people go on riot when they're clamoring for justice, when injustice is done, it's because of empathy. When a hurricane ravages a city, and you have people bringing blankets and helping people out. That's empathy. When we can take a moment to stop and ask a question, what possibly will I feel if I found myself in a situation like this person is going through? What kind of support will I need? And then we proceed to practically provide that support. Then we are acting out empathetically. So if somebody is hungry, don't say to them, "Is well with you, brother." No. Give them something to eat or give them, no matter how small, give them some money to go and buy some food. And that's the reason why, again, believers must prosper. If you don't have enough money to feed yourself, you might say, oh, I don't have enough money. How can I feed somebody else? How can I help somebody else when I don't even have enough money? Then God says, you know what God says? God says, the person that steals should not steal anymore. The person who steals should not steal anymore. But that person should find a honest work to do. Why? So that they can be able to give to those who do not have. God is essentially saying, the purpose of work, the purpose of work for you is so that you can be able to help other people. God is essentially saying, when you have money, you may have leftover from your money. Use the leftover you have to find somebody to help. So now you see here, therefore, that the whole idea of I just need a little money just to take care of myself and my family is erroneous. Because if all the money you have can only take care of your own family, how will you in this world be able to be helped to somebody else who needs it? The purpose of money or the purpose of God elevating you and putting you in a position of power is so that you can help other people. We know the story of Joseph. When Joseph eventually became the prime minister of Egypt and the brothers came to him and said, Oh, look at all these bad things we've done for you, blah, 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 blah. You know what Joseph said to them? Joseph said to them, you, what you meant for evil, God turned it for good. I said, God has sent me ahead to preserve life. 
God sent me ahead to preserve life. So at times, you know, like even in my own personal life, when I when I look at how God brought me from the backwaters of life to where God has taken me to, and at times I feel the need to think, oh, man, why are you bothering me or whatever? I ask myself the question, what if I had died at 10 years old when I was, po- when I w- I was almost poisoned? What if I had died? What if I had died? Then I, won't, I don't have any justification to say, why are you bothering me? No. God preserved my life so that I can be helped to as many people as I can help. God has preserved your life too. So that you can be as you can be of help to as many people as you can be of help to. We God prospers us so that we can help other people. Amen. So empathy helps us to put our puts us ourselves in other people's shoes. Now let's look at how this works. Jesus guys gave us a parable about empathy, a popular one that you may all know. In book of Matthew, chapter twenty five. Verses 34 to 40. I'm reading the New Living Translation. The Bible says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Verse 37. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and fed you? Or or feed you? Or thirsty and we give you something to drink? Or when you were a stranger and we showed you hospitality? When did this happen? When were you naked and we gave you clothing? When? When did we ever see you sick? Or in prison and visit you. And Jesus Christ says, The king will say to them, The king here is Jesus. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God essentially is saying here, When you find another believer who is going through challenges of life, who is struggling in any area of their lives, and you made yourself available to be there for them. To be there for them to help them god says to you you are actually doing what you are doing for jesus you are doing it for you so when you find a believer couldn't pay his rent couldn't afford this and all that and you go out of your way to say you know i'm just going to help you you might not have enough but out of the one you have what you have you give out to somebody who is in need jesus christ says you are doing it to him or for him personally. And for each one of these things that you have done for these people, God says there is a reward for you when you get to heaven. In fact, this reward for good giving 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 or helping other people as reward, even in this life. Even in this life. He says to them, When you when when did you do this? When you do this, you are doing it for me. You are doing it for me. Somebody might say, okay, I hear that. I hear that. I can help other believers. But I'm not just going to help those people that are not close to me. I'm not going to help those people that are not close to me. I'm not, I'm not going to help those people who are not believers. Somebody is a non-believer, lost a child. So I don't care. No, that's, that's not what Jesus Christ taught us. I'm going to show you an example that, that he taught in, in the Bible. We are meant to help as many people as we can help. As a matter of fact, again, why... I'm a proponent of prosperity. Why I 
I'm going to start preaching about prosperity as well in the church so everybody can get it. Father, you must prosper. Is Think about it this way. You know, recently we had a, a campaign because of something that happened in Turkey, you know, the earthquake and, you know, 40,000, 50,000 people died overnight, just like that. And there were people that had their houses and they had everything before and all of a sudden they had nothing, right? And they had to be put in tents and fed and children had to be taken out of rubbles and people died. And we raised campaign to send money. We were only able to send 500 pounds at the church to through the Red Cross. But the question is this. Suppose, suppose, every one of you in this church is a millionaire. And you understand the power of what I'm teaching here. We will not be saving 500 pounds, will we? No, we probably will send a million. The other day I saw um, an email campaign from one of my mentors in the US and they were building this, they call it Tent of Hope. Tent of Hope. And each tent costs 500 pounds. Just imagine, let's say, we cannot even send people from the church to go there. But we could put money together and say, okay, we find a missionary who is doing something great stuff in there and we send them half a million or 200,000. That will be a whole life change totally. And when you do that to those people, they don't know Jesus. Please, try to understand. They don't know Jesus. But you are still doing it for God. I will show you what, what the Bible, t- what God shows, showed me in this in a, in a, in a text in a, in a while. So you can see the correlation that God is not asking us to only to help believers. We should start with the believers. But we should also help those who are not believers. Why? Because by doing good to those who do not know Jesus, by having the resources to, do, to help people that do not know Jesus Christ, by your kindness, someone will come to the Lord. By your kindness, someone will come to the Lord. There's a saying that I saw somewhere that says, people don't really care about well, what you know until, until they know that you care for them. Even Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, when he was here on the earth, he said to those disciples, he said, a lot of you are following me because I fed you the last time. You know, they were in his ministry. They, he was preaching to them. And here they were, they were waiting for a whole day and they, was, they were hungry. And he took five loaves and two fish and multiplied it and fed the whole of them. Christ had so much resources, he was able to feed everybody that came there. And they followed him. So, some people follow Jesus Christ based on what they're going to eat, based on, his, based, on, based on him providing for them, but they're following him nevertheless. But because in the middle of listening to him and listening to what he's doing, they, the word we hear, it's their heart and they're going to believe. So, I'm encouraging us as a church that empathy must flow from us. So, when we ask you to donate money to go and help somebody in need, from the little you have, give. Because Anytime you do this, you are helping the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Remember, remember, God is the one who gives seed for you to sow. And he's the one who gives bread for somebody to eat. Look at that. Somebody is hungry, they need to eat food. God is not going to rain food from heaven. Food is going to have to flow through somebody else. And God said, I am the one who gives you the seed to be able to plant so that that seed becomes a wheat and that wheat is turned into bread so that somebody who is hungry can eat. And the reason why empathy is important is this. There's no blessing that you are going to receive on this earth 
largely largely there's no blessing you're going to use from this earth that will not flow through a human being a lot of the blessing that you need a lot of things that you need to take you to the next level in this life is in the hands of somebody somewhere else and that's why we need to help other people remember what you throw out in the into the universe is what you're going to get back and more every seed produces after what is kind when you're kind to people don't expect them to be the one to pay you back. Be kind to them. But God, God will cause things to happen to you. It might not be even your own generation. That seed that you have planted in faith will come back to you. Maybe in the, in the times of your children, it will come back. I hope you are making sense. Now, let's look at what just kind of taught us in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37. This is addressing the fact that the, our helping people being empathetic must not only uh, lie with believers. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37. The Bible says, In reply, Jesus Christ said, Now, in reply, in reply to what? The, in preceding verses, somebody came to meet Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to enter eternal, to have eternal life? Jesus Christ said to him, What does your law say? Remember, this was before Christ died. What does the law say before Christ died? The law said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, with all your strength, and you should love your neighbor like yourself. I think I mentioned that earlier. And the guy says, said, oh, who is my neighbor? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? Jesus Christ now is replying to him to describe who a neighbor is. Remember, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. Question now is, who is my neighbor? Jesus Christ is replying to this question. Who is my neighbor? Jesus Christ says to him, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side so too a levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side verse 33 but a samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him that's empathy he took pity on him but he didn't stop there he went to him action bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Question, Jesus Christ asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy, the one who was empathetic to him. Jesus Christ told him, go and do likewise. Now, I'm going to explain some things here. I think I've got about half an hour left. I'm going to explain some things here. Again, I'm tying this back to the need for you to prosper. If you look at this Samaritan, now, the background to this story is that this robber, uh, sorry, this man that was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, there was no recording whether he was an Israelite or whatever. I don't really know whether there was anything that suggests that he's an Israelite. But the key thing is that the Samaritan was used there by Jesus Christ to show us a pattern. This Samaritan person was not um, somebody who is part, is not an Israelite. So essentially, the Israelite and the Samaritans, 
don't see eye to eye. They are like, um, it's like Russia and United States, or actually China and United States. You know, like you know, there's this thing going on, right? You know, they don't they don't really agree. But you find this person who doesn't seem to be in the same. They they're like sworn enemies. Found somebody who is quote unquote an enemy, and the person went out and reached out to this person and helped them. This guy says, "Who is the neighbor here? The neighbor." was the one who was the Samaritan who went to help somebody else who is not related to him. So that tells us one thing. God wants us to help everybody in the world. If you find somebody who has a problem and you have what it takes to help, be empathetic towards them. Be empathetic towards them. Why? Because when we show kindness to those quote and unquote, who are not even related to us, those who cannot never pay us back. We are acting like God. God was the one who had mercy on us when we were in our fallen state, when we couldn't help ourselves. He came. He didn't wait for us to be able to figure out that we needed him. No, no. He came, took care of us, bandaged us. Listen, in this story here, we were like the, we were like the one who was beaten by the robber. The robber, in this case, symbolizes the enemy the devil beating us down let us to die on the side of the road and the samaritan is a type of jesus somebody who is not even related to us in terms of he's, he's not an israelite right he came and took care of us and made our life beautiful took us from darkness to light took us from near death in the realm of death to the realm of life now, if you go back into the story, let me show you a couple of things that I learned today. Number one, the priest. This is a person who is righteous, holy, or who claim to be righteous, a self-righteous person. Oh, we are the one going to church. They went back the same road, saw the man. Remember the Najah framework? Najah, notice. N, notice. A, assess. J, judge. A, A, act. Najah. This man saw. He saw the man. He noticed the man. But he passed on the other side. Why did he pass on the other side? Because he did not judge. He did not judge the the judging. After you have noticed and you have assessed, the judging is where the action is. The judging is where empathy comes from. When you judge what the person is going through, that is you have stepped into their story, you have empathized with them. The next thing you have to do is to act. This man here, he saw, he noticed, but he did not judge. Because he did not judge, guess what? His action was not the action that showed the love of God. He went on the other side. Then a Levite came. A Levite is not a pastor, but this one is like one of those believers, right? In the olden days, a Levite is somebody who just functions in the, in the, in the, in the, in the temple. Uh, the person carries, um, uh, performs sacrifices and stuff like that. So this person might just be somebody in our modern day world. Might just be. It's not a pastor like the priest. Is a church goer. The person came to the place, saw the person again, and passed on the other side. Acted the exact same way as the priest acted. A lot of times, people will act like the person who is leading them. People will act. Like the person who's leading them. If you have a, a, a crazy leader or a leader who is vindictive, 
ultimately you pick up something from that leader and start acting like that leader especially if you like the leader you start acting like that person i, I digress a bit but you know the story when the the when the, in the book of numbers numbers chapter 12 or 14 when the 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 the, the story of the 12 spies they were sent to canaan moses sent them to canaan to go and check out Canaan land before they got in there to see where the land is flowing with milk and honey. And the Bible says that 10 of them brought back evil report. Two of them only stayed with the report of God that says, even though the giants are there in the land, we are well able to overcome them, to take off, to take them over. But 10 of the spies that came back brought evil report. A report leading with so much unbelief. The Bible says the entire community broke out in cries. They were wailing throughout the night. Essentially, the, the report that they brought painted fear in the heart of the people. And the people began to say to themselves, they began to lay hold on their heads, began to cry, began to wail. But the people, these 10 spies, they were the leader of the people because Moses chose the leader of each tribe to go and represent the people. So the leader... Those ten spies represent leaders of the of, of the tribes of Israel, and they brought back evil report. Their report was so evil, painted imagination, evil imagination in the heart of people, painted hopelessness, failure in the heart of people. So much so that people cried, and they cried throughout the night. And God said to them, "Because you did not believe me when I said that you are going to get this land." Because you chose to listen to the evil report of your leaders, you are not going to get there. So, And that tells me a fundamental truth. Be careful who you are listening to. Be careful who is leading you. If you have somebody that you choose to be a leader and is leading you down the wrong way pathway, you are going to get the result of being led wrong the pathway, but it's not from God. So don't, don't be in cahoot with people who are doing evil. That's all because the person is my leader. Because that person is somebody, is a man of God, is my leader. Whatever he does is okay. No. Judge your leader. Check that what he's doing is according to the scriptures. If it's not according to the scriptures and you follow that leader, you are going to get the result of following the wrong person. And it's not God who has done that for you. I hope you understand that. So that's a bit of digression to to say that the Levites and the priests acted the same way. Why? Because the priest is the, is the one who is the head. The Levite is just a church member. They acted the same way. But somebody who is an outsider, Samaritan now, came. And what happened? He came where the man was. He noticed the man. That's Naja. He noticed the man. He came where the man was. And then he saw him. Assess. Assess. He saw. Saw there is to assess. Check. What's happening here? Then what happened? He judged. He took pity on him. He judged. He empathized. He empathized with this man on the ground. And then what did he do? He acted. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You see here, this man is acting out of what? Empathy. Because he had empathy, he acted on this guy. He took care of him. All right? And this man... Also, he's loaded because he had his own car. He had his own donkey. He had his own car, right? He could take him to a hotel, not to some random, rundown place, and took care of him, right? The next day when he was going, he brought out some money, gave it to the innkeeper, right? So this man, he's got cash on him to pay. He's not living on credit. Now look at verse 35. Then he said, look after him. And when I return, 
I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Now, listen to this carefully. This person had integrity because if he didn't have integrity, if you say, oh, when I return, I will reimburse. Person say, oh, last time you say you're going to return the money you didn't return. I'm not going to allow it. So this man has such integrity, he had good credit. He had good credit rating. He had good credit, right? And this guy says, this man that was able to take care of somebody is the one who is a neighbor, even though he does not know the person from Adam. So if you have somebody who is going through issues and challenges, and you say, oh, man, I don't want to help. I don't know him. The person is not close to me. You are not being empathetic. This guy says, you need to be empathetic to everybody in the world. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says this. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels on our ways. God is saying to you here, when you entertain people and you choose to be empathetic, choose to be somebody who is helpful to other people, you are going to entertain people that possibly they are angels that God has sent into your lives. So, that is what empathy is. That is what it's all about. So I've got about 12 minutes left. Now I want to show you the seven things that highly empathetic people would do or what they do so that we can learn from them. And possibly that will help us to begin to appreciate why God wants us to do that. Now there's a scripture in the book of Luke, uh, John chapter 10, verse, John, John chapter 11, verse 32 to 44. This was in the story of Lazarus, the, the, the raising up of Lazarus. Now, I want to show you something here that what happened with, with Jesus. The background to this story was Jesus Christ was in Bethany. They brought him a word some three days or four days journey that Lazarus was sick. Jesus Christ stood there and eventually Lazarus died. And when Lazarus died, Christ came into the city. Before he came into the city, they were, you could saw people, you could see people weeping and crying and all that. But something happened to Jesus. I'm going to read from you. Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came to Jesus in verse 32. Mary, Mary arrived where Jesus Christ was, outside of the city. And as soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping. And he saw how the people who were with her were weeping. His heart was touched and he was deeply moved. And then he said, where have you buried him? That is Naja. That's Naja framework. He saw. He saw they were weeping. He assessed the situation. What happened? His heart was touched. His heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Deep, being deeply moved is the what? Empathy. And then what did he do? He said, where have you buried him he said and now i need to do something about it i hope you see the pattern it's the Najah framework he came he noticed he saw them he assessed the situation and then what did he do he was deeply moved he was empathy he had empathy on him and then what did he do he said where have you buried him and then they said come and see lord they answered verse 35 jesus wept this is the shortest verse in the bible jesus has wept but how, how could he have wept? He wept because he had empathy on him, on them. So here's a word for somebody. You might be going through challenges. You might feel like you're all alone. You might be crying throughout the night. You might be anxious and worried. But you know, do you know that when you cry, Jesus Christ cries. This scripture here tells us in verse 33, he saw them weeping. In verse 35, Christ himself wept. He weeps when you weep. 
He cries when you cry. He's an empathetic high priest. And you look at what people said. Say, see how much he loved him. Do you know, in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, that is what is being said about you. See how much God loves the world. See how much God loves Davis. See how much God loves Caroline. See how much God lost Dave, uh, Angela. See how much God lost Edwina. See how much God lost Elora. See how much God lost Trinity. See how much God lost Gabriel. See how much God lost Michael. See how much God loves Jimmy. See how much God loves Tokes. See how much God loves uh, um, uh, uh, um, Joel. See how much God loves Patrick. See how much God loves BC. See how much God loves uh, uh, Philly. See how much God loves Pat. See how much God loves Ada. See how much God loves, you know, see how much God loves them. This is what is being said about you in the realm of the spirit. See how much God loves Emmanuel. See how much God loves Sophie. See how much God loves Tama. See how much God loves David. See how much God loves them. This is what is being said about you in the realm of the spirit. But do you know that? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that when you go through challenges of life, that Christ is in agony with you? When you feel like you're all alone, you don't know what to do, he empathizes with you. He empathizes with you. And he said, take away the stone. He told them, take away the stone. And they said, Lazarus, come forth. So I pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. If there are things going on in your life that is holding you back from fulfilling God's destiny, I speak to every deadness in your life, receive life. I speak to everything that is dead in your life, receive life. Everything that has been holding you back today, I send them away in the name of Jesus Christ and I declare that even when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. I pray for you that you will realize, understand, and embrace the love that God has for you. Because the Bible says that faith works by love. It is when you know how much God loves you that your faith can rise up to the point where you can command things to happen and it will happen for you as a roundup here is what psychology today speaks about empathy it says empathy is the bedrock of an intimacy and close connection in its absence relationships remain emotionally shallow defined largely by mutual interest or shared activities without empathy we could live and work side by side with other people and remain as clueless about their inner selves and feelings as we care about those of strangers on a crowded subway subway car. Empathy isn't just the engine for closeness and prosocial behavior. It also puts on the brakes when we are behaving badly and become aware of the pain we are causing. Those of us who have had the misfortune of being intimate with someone highly in narcissistic, narcissistic, narcissistic traits combined with impaired empathy know the devastation that can ensue. When there are no brakes, and an essence of self-interest, you end up with, with scorched earth. This is what psychology today says about, about what? About empathy. That empathy is not just the engine for closeness and prosocial behavior. I want to focus on the statement. I, I want my team to put it on the, on the screen if they can. In the statement here from psychology today, it says, without empathy, we could live and walk side by side with other people and remain as clueless about their inner selves and feelings as we are about those of strangers on a crowded subway car. So you you imagine you are living with somebody in your house, maybe your wife, maybe your child, without empathy, without empathizing with them, without understanding their emotion, without feeling what they feel, or putting yourself in a situation whereby you can feel what they feel. You can live together in the same house or walk together side by side, and you are clueless about their inner selves, the groanings of their heart, the feelings of their heart. You know, empathy essentially means 
you feel the feeling of the other person. And how could you do that? You have to step into their space. You have to project yourself to be in their space and feel their feelings. And now, here are the seven things that highly empathetic people do. Number one, they are fully present with others. They are fully present with others. Empathetic people have a way of making you feel like you are the only one in the room. People have spoken about Jesus. People that have had this um, body, uh, 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 out-of-body experiences have been to heaven. They say, when Christ looks at you, it's like you are the only one in the room. You are the only one in the room. So, when you are empathetic, you give people the full attention of your presence. This is what God wants us to be able to do. When somebody is talking to you and I'm working on myself as well. We need to be empathetic, be present. When they interact with someone, they give that person the gift of their full attention and respect. Okay? So, when they said to Joseph, when these uh, guys in the story of Joseph said to Joseph, we have dream dreams and there's no one to interpret them. Joseph said to them, do not, do not all interpretation belong to God. Tell me your dreams, I pray. Tell me, I want to listen. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I want to listen. That's what highly empathetic people do. They listen. They pay attention. They give you the, their full attention. Number two, the person who is highly empathetic masters, masters the art of active listening. What is active listening? The way you understand active listening yeah, is this. Listen not to speak. Listen to really hear. Listen to understand. Empathetic people take time to understand the priorities of the person they are talking to, their preferences, their motivations. This requires what? Non-judgmental listening. You are not listening so that you can speak. You're not listening so that you can put your assumption to the t- on them. You're not listening so that you can tell them how to behave. No, you are listening not to judge. You are listening with your heart. So there are some things you could say. You could say, for example, what I'm hearing you say is, it sounds to me like, essentially when somebody says tells you something, you could replay back and say, it seems to me that what you're saying is this. Am I correct? Am I saying that right? Is that that's what I'm hearing? You know. So when you speak like that, you're basically trying to understand what they're going through. The other thing you can do is affirm, affirm them when they're speaking. Smile, nod. You can say, "Hmm, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. Yeah. What you're saying is, and then what happened next? You encourage them to to pull them out of their shell to be able to bring that out. This is something that we can develop. It's a skill that we can all develop. So, number two, master the art of active listening. Active listening essentially means you are not trying to jump in to tell them what to do. You know, I learned this with my children the hard way. You know, like, at the time I'll come in there, I'll just say, it's in your mind, it's in your mind, it's in your mind. Just manage your mind. But later I realized that's actually end up walking them up like I wasn't paying attention. You don't listen to us. You're not listening to us. That's not what I'm trying to say. And I just say, well, everything's in your mind. But later we realize that's not the way to do it. Now we now we listen and say, okay, what are you saying? Okay, I understand. Anything else? And that person feels that they are not being judged. They feel that they are, you're not giving, you're not coming there to just give them solution or answers. You are there to just listen and be present. And at times, you know, when you listen to somebody who's going to challenges, the the answer really might be that to keep quiet. The answer might not be that you really have to have something to say. At times, just being able to listen to somebody to rant and tell you what is going through their mind is more than enough. At times, you know, people that have this, people that have that have their they have mental issues or mental problem. Um, at times, it's because they don't have people to speak to. 
when somebody is going to challenge, they want to speak to somebody who, would, who they feel will not judge them. And God is one that we can speak to without feeling any sense of judgment. And God says, imitate me. You are my child. Imitate the way I do things. May God help us in Jesus' name. You know, when Joseph, when they were telling Joseph, Joseph about their dreams in verses 9 to 11, I, I'm, I'm running out of time so I can't read it. There was no there, time there when Joseph badgered him and said, oh, stop there. I know what you're talking about. No, he listened to what they have to say and then he began to give them what he believed the interpretation was from God. Number three, they tune in into non-verbal communication. See, communication runs deeper than words alone. For example, if you're talking to somebody and you see them tense up, pulling away, or they are dodging eye contact, those are important clues that you can use empathy to reach out to. Rather than ignoring the emotion gently, rather than ignoring the emotion gently and with kind, kindness, ask them to describe what is happening for them. This gives people the freedom to share their feelings openly, knowing that they will not be judged or criticized. This is a very important part. People share with you freely when they know they will not be judged or criticized. Letting emotions flow freely can be a gateway to productive problem solving. So like I said last week, Jesus Christ is our empathetic empathetic high priest. We go to him because we know he's not judging us. If you think God is going to judge you, you run away from him. But when you understand that God never judges, all the judgment that will ever come upon you, he has placed them on Jesus. You can come to him and be vulnerable. Now, when you are vulnerable, in the presence of God, you will receive healing for the brokenness that might be on the inside of you. Praise God. Number four, empathetic people learned what it means to pause. Listen. When somebody is talking to you, at times, and I'm guilty of this at times, you know, we try to jump in to finish other people's sentences. We begin to offer advice. We begin to interrupt. That is not how to be empathetic. Empathetic people know how powerful silence can be. They don't interrupt or talk over people. They think before they speak. So when somebody is speaking to you, to, be, to empathize with them, allow them to finish their sentences. Allow them to finish. And then when you allow them to finish, say to them, let me, re- re- let me rehash what I think you are trying to say. What I hear you say is this. And then play it back. And the person can then understand that you are really genuinely trying to understand what they're going through. Before you then begin to offer maybe ideas or things that God is placing in your heart to use to help them. We must listen to understand before we speak. Number five, the person who is empathetic replaces giving advice with asking questions. Instead of offering your opinion, you want to understand what the person's perspective is better. So you can ask questions like, how do you feel about it? Can you tell me more? What do you mean? What will be helpful to you right now? What what do you make of this? How should we handle it? What do you think? All right? So we speak like that. That helps the person. Okay, this person is really trying to help me. So that you, they, you, they, you can then work out a solution that will help them properly. Number six. The person who is empathetic, empathetic speaks in terms of collective instead of me, me, me. You know, at times when you tell people some things, 
they turn the conversation into them. They start telling you about their own story, their own life challenges and stuff. But listen, the person didn't call you to tell for you to tell them about the challenge that you're facing. The person called to tell you, you know, about their situation so that you can listen and see how you can empathize with them. Empathetic leaders shift to talking about how they will tackle challenges as a team. They speak in terms of we and us. So other people feel empowered and supported. Research shows changing your language is a first step towards adopting an empathetic attitude. People who use more second person pronouns are better at interpreting others, others thoughts, feelings and behaviors, which is the essence of empathy. Listen, here is a thought that I want to show on the screen. When you want to genuinely connect with someone or create a bond with someone, start by talking about your shared goals. Let's, for example, you can say, let's talk about what we are going to do next to solve this problem. Or you can say, we are going to go through this. Obviously, somebody, when you're saying it, you should mean what you say. You're not just, you just try to say it to manipulate somebody. Say it. When somebody is down and out, they want somebody to carry them up. And at times, be saying to them, listen, everything is going to be all right. We're going to get through this together. Start statement alone. Build what? A community. You, you build a fence around that person. All right. Then number seven. They imagine others, other people's point of view. Empathetic people, empathetic, empathetic people practice a skill called perspective taking. In other words, they step into other people's shoes to imagine what fears they might have, you know. And then uh, once they understand what fears they might have, then what they happen, they're able to say, okay, so this may be possible, this is what the person is going through. And by that, they're able to help with a positive intent. So, when you somebody is talking to you, please give them the benefit of doubt that they are coming from a respective place, not a malicious one. This mindset shift alone can do wonders for your mood and ensure you stay in empathetic state. At times, don't assume the worst. That somebody is telling you something or they're going through a situation, you assume the reason why they're going through is because of X, Y, and Z. Don't assume the worst. Assume that you know they are telling you the truth. Assume that you know they're coming from a place of respect. All right. So. When you do that, you find that you are able to show empathy to other people more than you normally would do that. And you're able to build connection. Remember, there's nothing you want in this life that will not come through other people. So learning to be empathetic, learning to understand how people people feel, learning to understand their perspective properly will help you to, to connect with them and help you to be able to move forward together. So what do we learn from this text? Joseph was able to build connection with these two leaders whilst in prison by using the skill of empathy even though the butler did not remember joseph until after two years which we're going to be talking about in future lessons one thing i want to call out is it will probably not happen that they will remember joseph if joseph had been a wicked leader whilst they were in prison here is a saying that is quite profound people don't care about what you know until they know how much you care People don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. People may not remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel, especially in their trying moments. Emotions, important, a big deal. So when you make somebody feel like rubbish, like they are not worthy, that they are worthless, especially when they are down and out, 
they will remember how you made them feel. They may not even remember the, all the scenarios and things that happened during that period, but they will remember how they felt when they were in their trying moments, how you made them feel. And to avoid this, this is the reason why we need to be what? Empathetic. We need to step into that perspective, step into that story, step into that in their viewpoint and see things from their point of view. That would then help us to be able to help them. Praise God forevermore. So my time is up and I just want to say thank you very much for being here today. There's a story I want to quickly run through on how empathy works in practical terms as a story you might find it on, on the internet i'm just going to run it run through it to just use it to elaborate empathy in a different way and then on the back of that i would then close the service hallelujah here's a story the bible and uh, it's a story here so it's not the bible i heard the story online somewhere i think they will put the link also on the screen if possible a farmer had some puppies he needed to sell he painted a sign advertising the four pups puppies and set about nailing it to a post on the edge of his yard as he was driving the last nail into the post, he felt a tug on his overalls. He looked down into the eyes of a little boy. Mister, he said, I want to buy one of your puppies. Well, said the farmer, as he rubbed the sweat off the back of his neck, these puppies come from fine parents and cost a good deal of money. The boy dropped his head for a moment. Then reaching deep into his pocket, he pulled out a handful of change and held it up to the farmer. I have got 39 cents. Is that enough to take a look? Sure, said the farmer. And with that, he let out a whistle. Here, Dolly, he called. Out from the doghouse and down the ramp ran Dolly, followed by four little balls of four. The little boy pressed his face against a chain, a chain-like fence. His eyes danced with delight. As the dogs made their way to the fence, the little boy noticed something else staring inside the doghouse. Slowly, another little ball appeared. This one noticeably smaller. Down the ramp, it slid. Then in a somewhat awkward manner, the little pup began hobbling towards the others, doing its best to catch up. I want that one, the little boy said. Pointing to the runt, the farmer knelt down at the boy's side and said, Son, you don't want that puppy. He will never be able to run and play with you like these other dogs would. With that, the little boy stepped back from the fence, reached down and began rolling up one leg of his trousers. In doing so, he revealed a steel brace running through, running down both sides of his leg, attaching itself to a specially made shoe. Looking back up at the farmer, he said, You see, sir, I don't run too well myself. And this dog, we need someone who understands. With tears in his eyes, the farmer reached down and picked up the little pup. I hope that this short story has stirred up your heart on the need to empathize with others. I pray for you and I pray for myself that in the coming months that we will look carefully at our lives and ensure that our lives can be a blessing to other people beyond believers, even unbelievers. We should reach out to people and put ourselves in their shoes and say, what if I go through that? What will I need? 
Everybody needs somebody who understands what they're going through. And God has placed you on this earth to be a light in a world that desperately needs it. In the name of Jesus. Now, as we round up, I just want to say quickly, today's service is the is number 100 service. We have been doing this. This is the, the 100th service since we started our Sunday service uh, on May the 8th, 2021. So I just want to say thank you very much. You know, when we started, we didn't know we could do 100, 100 of these services. We didn't know that. But God has been good to us. And I just want to thank you very much for showing up every single Sunday, every single Wednesday service, even on the Saturday morning prayer. I want to thank you very much for showing up. And I hope and I pray and I believe that your lives, your life is being transformed as you listen and put to use what you are learning. So for the past 100 services, you have been there. I want to say thank you very much. God bless you. Real, real be. Before we go, I want to also to remind you that we have communion service at 3.30 p.m. today. Please make sure that you attend. The word for this month is Arise, Shine. I'm going to be praying from the book of Isaiah that 60 that God laid in my heart. It is time now to establish yourself and move forward and possess what God has in store for you. Hallelujah. This month as well, remember we have Metamorpho coming up. I think we're going to skip um, the the normal uh, dates. I think we're going to do Metamorpho now in two weeks. Let me look at the date. It's going to be on the, on the 12th. We'll do Metamorpho on the 12th because... Uh, the week coming next is going to be um, uh, Easter holiday. So we'll do it after Easter holiday on the 12th. We'll do Metamorpho on the 12th. So please be on the watch out for the advert. And finally, towards the end of the month, by the end of, I think it's 28th of, of April, which is the last, no, 29th, the last Saturday of April from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, we will be running us a, a, a webinar no it's a conference it's a short conference between 10 o'clock and one o'clock uh in the in the in the afternoon on the 29th of april is a conference that we haven't done that in a while between me and my, my friend patrick pastor patrick is going to be preaching on killing sacred cows i want you to look out for that that um that um uh, that program is going to be a serious blessing to you essentially we're going to be dealing with things that we have believed in as christians that are wrong, you know, cultural beliefs that have held us down, you know, or things that we have believed even within the Christendom, within the church, that is totally a lie, you know, that that that, that has been propagated over the years that has held us down. We're going to be talking about those and been debunking those lies and myths and half-truths. All right, so please be on the lookout for that as well. All right. As you go, please remember you are blessed and highly favored. I'm just going to say a word of prayer over your life. Father, Lord, I pray for your people and I pray, Almighty God, that even as you've shown us today that empathy is key for us, Almighty God, to be able to love other people. We have to empathize with, with them before we can love them. Lord, I pray for every one of us that, Almighty God, we will embrace empathy as a way of life, that, Almighty God, we will begin to act out our Christianity, not just in lip service, Lord, but in doing the good works that you have said for us to do in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for someone, Almighty God, today to, that will need a touch from you, Lord, that you touch us and you help us, you carry us in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody might be here today who needs a job, Lord Almighty God, who wants to do sincerely to help other but doesn't have the job. I pronounce over you that God will open doors for you within the next seven days in the name of Jesus Christ. Go bring opportunities your way that will turn your life your life around in Jesus' name. As this woman that started, I declare over you is going to be a great month for you in the name of Jesus Christ. I say to you, arise and shine for your light has come. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Hallelujah. If you have never given your life to Jesus, this is the time that I'm going to be asking you to consider seriously about how you can make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Listen, no matter what we achieve in this life, without a connection with the Lord Jesus, without having this connection, it's all worthless. You know, it's all worthless. And how do you become born again? It's very simple. Believe in your heart that Christ died for you. He paid the price for your sin and therefore he redeemed you. And after the third day, the Bible said, God raised him from the dead. Now, because he's risen from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of God. Now you have access to become a child of God. All you have to do is believe in your heart and say that out of your mouth. So let us say a word of prayer as I round up the service. Say with me, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying in my stead. Today, I acknowledge you that you died for me and you died for my sin. I acknowledge you that on the third day, you were raised from the dead. I give my life to you, Jesus. I give my life to you, Jesus. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've said that out of your mouth, you believe that in your heart, you are now a child of God. And I welcome you to the presence of my Father, to the, to the family of my Father. God bless you real big. You are blessed and highly favored. Father, as we go now, we thank you that our lives are transformed as we believe in your word, as we act on your word, as we begin to look at you as our as our paracletus, as our guide. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Until, until next time, remember, you are blessed and highly favored. Thank you for worshiping with us. We believe that you have been blessed. For more experiences like this, join us every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. UK time and on Wednesdays for Bible Hangout at 6 p.m. UK time on Zoom. On Saturday morning, our prayer room opens at 6 a.m. UK time on Zoom as well. Every first Wednesday of the month, the church podcast channel, Metamorphor, presents the Practicality of Grace series featuring hot topics and experienced guests. We invite everyone to send questions about issues that are difficult to grasp and our guests will answer it through the lens of grace by the Holy Spirit. All questions are welcome. You are too. Questions can be sent to the live chat on the website www.thelighthouse.org or you can send an email to light at thelighthouse.org. If you want to give your offering, you can scan the QR code on the screen to give through PayPal or you can make a bank transfer to 0564-1897. That is 0564-1897. The short code is 0 eight seven one nine nine at cash plus bank the details are on the screen if you want us to pray with you please click on the link that pops on the live chat and follow the prompt or you can visit the website at www.thelighthouse.org 
You can also request a private session with Pastor Davis on Calendly by visiting the link in the website or in the discussion box below. Follow us on all our socials. We are on YouTube, Facebook, IG, Twitter, TikTok and LinkedIn. And we post all information about our services and other programs across these channels. Simply type the username displayed on the screen and follow. We hope you enjoy your week. Remember to rest on God's promises to you of stability and prosperity. Until next time, God bless you. There's an awesome God he raised from heaven above with wings.